We're going to read a, a long passage of scripture, Acts chapter 2. And um, it's a passage I'm sure a number of us are all aware of. Um, it's really central to what the whole of the Bible is all about, really. It's the birth of the church. Acts chapter 2 says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Never underestimate the power of unity. It's not a luxury, it's the starting place. It's not something to aim for, it's something to start with. They were all together in one accord in one place and suddenly, don't you love the suddenlies of God? <laughs> oh, I love the suddenlies. Where did that come from? I wasn't expecting that. Even though we live in a state of expectation, God does something. I love the way that God just, just, he just does stuff. He'll suddenly remind us of something. He'll suddenly do something. And you think, oh, well, thank you, Lord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. There was a time in the Gospels where the Father spoke from heaven and a whole load of people said it was just thunder. Thunder and lightning. Yet other people heard the voice of God. Just because God speaks doesn't mean to say people hear it. Got to be tuned in. There came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I don't know what you imagine when you hear those verses, and we are doing a lot more, we're going to read a lot more down on this, in this passage here, but the Holy Spirit came and sat upon each one. Don't think of like a little you know, cigarette lighter, blip, on the top of everybody's head. I know it's traditionally. This says they were baptized with fire. To be baptized means completely engulfed. Completely engulfed. These were like men on fire. If you've ever seen a, a tragic you know, photograph or a film of people on fire, perhaps in war or perhaps in something else, that's what was happening here. There was, there was fire that filled this place. And completely engulfed the lives of the people there. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there was dwelling in Jerusalem, the Jews devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together. I don't know if it was the sound of heaven they heard or the sound of 120 people speaking in tongues. I don't know what the sound is that they heard. Perhaps it was both. I believe people should be drawn to the sound of God, but they should also be drawn to the sound of the church. What sound is the church making? Is it a clanging gong, a clashing cymbal, because there's no love in the place? Or is it a beautiful sound coming out from Citygate Church and every other church in the region? Is it a beautiful sound which draws people and woos people into the presence of God? When they heard this sound, the multitude came together, but they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. 
Then they were all amazed and they marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak from Galilee? And how is it that we all hear each in our own language in which we were born? And there were Parthians, the Medes, the Elamites, those who, were, who lived in all these places. Verse 11, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. See, people are listening. People are listening. They want to hear some good news. They're hearing a lot of stuff going on in the world. They want to hear some good news out of the church, amen? They want to hear some wonderful works of God. Why do we talk about the praise reports? Because they're wonderful works of God. Why do we talk about what God does in people's lives? Because they're the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed. I love this. They were like, I don't know what to do with this. I believe the church should make such an impact that people go, what the heck do we do now? (laughs) Amazed and perplexed. It's like, wow, it's amazing, but this is going to change my life forever. I can't stay the same. If what you've just told me is true, I can't stay the same. But, oh, wow, that's what happened to me that night when I gave my life to Jesus in 1984. The guy on the platform said, if you've got the guts to even accept there could be a God, you need to give him a go. And it was like, wow, okay, God. And I I can remember praying or saying or talking, I don't know if I said it in my own head or out my mouth, I have no idea. I said, God, if you are who they say you are, you need to, I need to know now, this is the only opportunity I'll ever give give you with my life it was I was amazed and I was perplexed I was I was like what the heck is going on here you're saying what's this got to do with dreaming as we start a new series called dare to dream why because God doesn't want us to be same old same old living life with no expectation with no amazement They, they said to each other, what could this mean? Others mocked and said, they're just drunk. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Accusing the church of being drunk. Dear God, most people would say they accuse us of being a mortuary. Where's the life? Where's the energy? This place is half dead, not Citygate, of course. But I reckon the church could have been accused for years of just being a place of deadness. You hear it saying, these guys are just partying hard. (laughs) You'll never offend me if you accuse me of being too alive. You'll really offend me if you accuse me of being half dead. (laughs) I'll tell you that now. They're just drunk, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Listen to my words, for these are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. The third hour is nine o'clock in the morning. Well, that doesn't seem to stop some people, but anyway. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Something was coming to pass. Something was happening. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit 
upon everybody, all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. On my men servants, maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven uh, above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and smoke and the sun's going to be turned to darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. One of the most famous Uh, scriptures in the whole Bible. It was written by Joel. He had this whole prophetic thing going on. And here we are. It's the text that was preached on the day the church was birthed. So this is really important. And dare I say it, this is something we got to own. And we got to have, if, if this is what Peter said, the birth of the church is that being fulfilled, then that means I want some of it. I need to be walking in this. The church can't start one way and finish another way. It builds, it grows, it goes from one place of strength to the next place of strength. It doesn't leave behind what it was birthed in. Anybody with me today? It's very quiet in this Presbyterian half-dead church. Is that where we are today? No, come on. In this days of PC, not that all Presbyterians are half-dead. <laughs> Just say this is the birth of the church this is what Jesus died for it's what he came for to set this up it's also what the devil was dreading for three and a half years he'd had his head kicked in by the son of God everywhere Jesus went the devil was cast out. There was all sorts of stuff going on. People were getting healed and delivered, set free. 5,000 people getting fed. There was, all, there was great stuff going on. It was the devil's nightmare. <laughs> and then Jesus died and the devil went, oh. <sighs> he didn't say thank God for that, but he went, thank, God, thank, thank whatever for that. Three days later, the Son of God was raised from the dead. And the devil thought, oh no, here we go again. But actually, Jesus didn't, I mean, he did stuff, but it's like, okay, he was only around for a month. And then he ascends. And at last, the devil thinks, oh, at last, I can chill out again. At last, I can have a breather. At last, that that son of God who caused me so much hassle for three and a half years, has gone. He was gone, then he came, then he went. Perhaps we can get back to some normality on the planet. Perhaps we can get back to some religion. Perhaps we can get back to just me doing whatever I want to do across the planet. So Jesus ascended. And all the disciples were were fearful because Jesus had gone. Hiding in the upper room. Door was shut. But the Holy Spirit arrived. And that which had been in the life of Jesus Christ was now in the life of his 120 disciples. The person of the Holy Spirit. I wonder what the devil thought of that. (laughs) I reckon he screamed. 
And he's done everything he can since that day to calm the church down. To stop the church being so on fire. To stop the church being so passionately in love with people. To get the church to just become an institution rather than a body. To get the church to just become against everything instead of pouring out its love and accepting people. A hundred and twenty people that grew to three thousand that day, and within a few days, another five thousand were added. Then it was the crowds. Then it was the multitudes. Um, then it spread across the known world. Faith filled, Holy Spirit led, world overcoming disciples. Not just religious people who believed something. Marked by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the saving of people. As we start this series today, this passage says, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And everybody will prophesy. We are a prophetic people. We are a people led by the Holy Spirit, engaged with the Holy Spirit, on fire by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's what the church is. Inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak, to dream, to speak, to prophesy, to think. 3 things in this sermon today that we're just going to go through very very quickly and then we're going to believe God to pour out his spirit on people in City Gate Church if you can find it in the Bible I want it in the church number one they were all filled with the Holy Spirit It's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That is not a theological position. It is an experiential position that comes from a theological position. We don't just believe in healing. We want to see people healed. We don't just believe in deliverance. We want people delivered. We don't just believe in the person of the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to be free, He's free, to be free to do whatever He wants to do. These things are not just theological, they are experiential. I don't just believe Jesus wants to save the world, I want to see people come to Christ. If we don't see what we believe, then we're not doing it. Because He does it. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The church is all about partnership with the Holy Spirit. They were all together in one place. There was the sound of a rushing mighty wind. We think back to the life of the Lord Jesus Christ for three and a half years in the Gospels. Jesus walked with the Holy Spirit. We walk with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to say this, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. With the evidence of speaking in tongues. 
Oh, what's your doctrine? I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm talking about if you want it, you can have it. Let's not get so trapped in doctrine. And I, I, man, I am so hot on my doctrine. I so know what the Word of God says. But the, the Holy Spirit is not someone to argue about. He's a person to fall in love with and embrace. I don't want to look at a rule book and say, what does the rule book say about my marriage? You must hold her hand. All right, then I'll do that. Oh, that's a handshake. That's a warrior. That's better. I feel that. That other one, where did that come from? Handshake. Good morning, darling. Good morning. That's how we get up in the morning. Good morning, Sharon. I don't want to read a rule book about how to have a relationship. Now, there are certain rules. Keep yourself faithful. That's a rule. But I don't want to keep myself faithful because it's a law that I have to obey, but because I love my wife. Now, the rule's the rule, but love, everything, all the laws and all the rules and all the commandments hang on this one thing, love God. And I could say love Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with tongues. Acts 19 verse 6, when the Apostle Paul laid his hands on another group of disciples, this is all the way through the book of Acts, when the Apostle Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Not just a Pentecost day experience, birth of the church, designed and intended for all the church of all the ages. 1 Corinthians 14.2 For anyone who speaks in a tongue, speaks in tongues, does not speak to people, but to God. Which is not a, a preach today on speaking in tongues. But you need to get this thing out Is it for me? Is it not for me? Am I supposed to have it? Is it for everybody? Is it a gift? Has it passed away? Dear God, just fall in love with the Holy Spirit and say, God, I want everything you got. (laughs) I want everything you got for my life. See, that's what religion will do to you. Religion will shut you down and put you in some mental box instead of a spirit of love and faith and joy. 1 Corinthians 14.4 He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. Speaking in tongues, we speak to God and we strengthen ourselves. There's so many scriptures I could preach all day, probably a whole series just on speaking in tongues. Not going to. Point number two, the fire of God. Luke 3.16 says this, John answered saying, to all I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to undo. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire. I love all the types and the shadows of God and grace and faith and redemption. But I love the the types and the shadows and the expressions of the Holy Spirit. Oil. 
oil. I go down in my shed and I bathe in oil. Not quite, but Sharon thinks I do because I come back stinking of oil. Engine oil. It's like, yeah. <sighs> oil. Grease. Just all of that. I put in a glass. Somebody broke the shed window. 30 years ago, 30 years ago, I built Sharon a shed. Okay? And it's a beautiful summer house type of a shed with all the leaded lights. Well, we'd, we'd, somebody had had a party. Who on earth that would have been? We come back, smashed window. Now, it's held together by the lead because it pushes it in. So I did that yesterday, which is why I did my finger. Please give me some sympathy right now. Please give me some sympathy. I need to go to the hospital after this and have my finger cut open to, to, to remove some stuff that's in there. Come on, I'm trying to get some, some real feeling right now. Didn't stop me jumping. Didn't stop me praising God. Didn't stop me clapping. Anyway, there I am with the mastic. I don't care if it's oil or mastic. It's like stuff and it's like... Oil, the Holy Spirit's oil. Grease, he gets into your life, makes things run right. Anoints your life with fresh oil. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. I want to live anointed. Now don't get all Pentecostal in me and what that means that I walk up and down the street twitching. (laughs) That's not anointed, that's weird. All right, just saying. There are times to twitch, for there are times not to twitch, right? Have a go, enjoy yourself, but don't do it in the middle of your workplace, all right? But the anointing of the Holy Spirit to anoint our lives for whatever it is we're doing, whether that's work or play or whether it's family, there's an anointing to be a dad, there's an anointing to be a mum, there's an anointing to play an instrument, there's anointing to be an accountant. You really need an anointing to be an accountant. How many of you know that? Yeah. There's anointing for everything. He's the wind of the Holy Spirit. Rushing, mighty wind. Don't just think little breeze on a summer's day. Think hurricane force. Have you ever been, you know, so impacted by a rushing wind? I've not been in a hurricane, but I've been in gale force winds. I remember when we came home, the night we came home from our honeymoon was the 1987 storm across South England. I just thought we'd come home. But it wasn't that. It was the wind of the Holy Spirit flooding through South England. We came out, trees had fallen out, cars were squashed. You can all remember that. About October the 15th, I think it was, something like that. The wind of the Holy Spirit wants to blow through our lives. But here, he's called a fire. Baptize you with the Holy Spirit of fire. What does fire speak of? The fire of holiness. The fire of holiness. What do you mean the fire of holiness? Isaiah 6, great example. In the, key, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and 
high on his throne, lifted up the train of his robe, filled, filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim, each one having six wings. Two covered their face, their feet, and, their, and they flew. And one cried to the other, holy, 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 or holy. It's really what that's saying. Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. We give that a good go on Sundays as well. So I said, woe is me for I'm undone. Isaiah speaking. Because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. God is really interested in in what comes out of our mouth. No wonder on the day of Pentecost, the first thing he does is fills their mouths with the marvellous works of God. Your mouth is the problem. Hello? Your mouth is the problem. The moaning, the complaining, the criticising, the jealousy, the envy, the hatred, the racism, the, the, the stuff, the stuff, the, the unbelief, the, the mess that comes out of our mouths. Unbelievable. God says, you can have whatever you say. If we really believe that, we wouldn't say half the stuff that we said because we don't want what we say. We don't want that dumb old computer that never works to be a dumb old computer that never works. But it's just so natural to us to pour out the junk. God wants us to pour out the Holy Spirit. He wants us to pour out the marvellous works of God. No wonder people who argue against speaking in tongues need to understand God wants to get hold of your tongue. He wants to get hold of it because that's where your problem is. That's where your sickness is. That's where your poverty is. That's where your marriage breakup is. That's where your kids rebelling is. It's all in the mouth. And if we can get hold of the mouth, we can turn around the sickness. We can turn around the poverty. We can turn around the children if we get hold of the mouth. So God says, I'm going to birth the church and the first thing I'm going to do is set them on fire and get hold of their tongue. (laughs) Now God doesn't get hold of it and control it, but he certainly puts a river on the inside that wants to come out. You getting anything out of this today? We're going to close if I can have the band back up, please, because we need to be praying for people today. There's the fire of holiness. The fire of God wants to touch some mouths today. I'm not just talking about profanity. I'm just talking about that stream of everything goes wrong and it never works for me and I don't know, I've prayed so many times and nothing ever happens, that sort of stuff. What else? The fire of passion. To be on fire for something means to be really passionate. Really passionate, really single-minded. One of my favourite films, this will probably upset some people, but hey, it's one of mine. Doesn't have to be one of yours, but it's one of mine. He's called Man on Fire. Denzel Washington. Oh my word, what a film. True story of a man who is passionate about getting back a little girl that's been kidnapped and that's where I'll leave that he was a man on fire he would do whatever it took to get that little girl back and you know what it did in the end it cost him his life true story he swapped his life for hers 
man on fire. Come on, church on fire. A place where we're so passionate about loving people that it's no, it's, it isn't about me, it's about others. We go the second mile. We're loving, generous people even when the Bible says you swear even to your own hurt. Come on, it's not about us and, you know, protecting my little castle. It's about, come on, let's live for other people. Let's be so on fire with the Holy Spirit that it's not just excitement on a Sunday. It's not just excitement in a small group, but it's a passionate love for the world that Jesus died for that says, I will do whatever it takes. I'm going to lay hold of a spirit of boldness in order to love people and in order to speak something out into their lives to somehow introduce them to Jesus. This is the person of the Holy Spirit. This is what He does. The fire of glory. We could talk about that, but I'm going to move on. Point number three. So we have, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were on fire with the Holy Spirit. And number three, the Holy Spirit empowered them to see visions and to dream dreams. It's what He did. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Of all the things that could happen, those three things are central to what it is to be a church. Does that make sense? Central to what it is to be a church. Pastor Jay, what's the church all about? Well, we've got our culture, we've got our vision statement and our values, our vision statement to be uh, to to uh, to powerfully affect our generation by building a large, dynamic, and influential church where people are equipped to fulfil their destiny, radically transforming our world. We have our ten values. We have our know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. We have our culture, the way we do things. We sing the songs we sing, and we don't sing some other songs. So it's just who we are as a church. But in the centre, the very core of what it is to be a church, it's this. Number one, be filled with the Spirit. It's this. Number two, be baptised with the fire of God, with some passion and some holiness and some energy and some zeal to turn our world upside down. And number three, to get a vision, to dream dreams, see into your future. Dream big dreams. There's an advert right now on the radio and I hear it a lot. I listen to LBC driving in and driving out and all the chat shows and whatever else. And It's just fascinating what people think, but there's an advert that's coming out and it's like this girl and she said, when I was a school, a school girl, um, a teacher had a big impact on my life. It's obviously advertising being a teacher and it says that this school teacher left a note on her desk that says, if you're going to think, think big. And if you're going to think big, think bigger. Oh man, I love it. I love it. We got to think so big within the bounds of the Bible, led by the Holy Spirit. I'm dreaming of a church of thousands, not just for numbers' sake, but because everyone Jesus died for to give them eternal life. That's what gets me going. People say, why do you still do what you do? Why do you go through all the stuff? Why do you take all the pressure? Why do you do, why do you give your life for this? Why have you spent 30 years not living for yourself? You know, just, uh, why? Because people need Jesus. They need to be born again. Eternity is at stake for our generation. That's the vision, that's the dream. You know what I used to dream about being a rock drummer? 
I was a drummer, pretty darn good one. Not very good now. Lost my flexibility. Used to be pretty good. Used to be, you know, classically chained on the piano, lead worship on the guitar. Then I learned the bass. Loved the bass. Dear God, I know why you play that thing. It's just, ah, man, I'd never played one. And then we needed a bass player in the church and I was leading worship. So I thought, well, I can lead on the bass. So I little, and I was just like, wow, something happened when I got hold of the, the bass. I used to live for music. I just, that's what I wanted to be in bands from when I was about 10 years old. First started to play the drums when I was about five. My parents made the biggest mistake of their life. We went down to see my grandma uh, for, for uh, Christmas and they bought me a drum set. A little toy one, a little plastic thing didn't last very long I probably hit it so hard I broke it but it's like you started something I used to dream about being a rock drummer be dream about this stuff dream about driving race cars and flying planes and, and dream you know what teenagers are like we dream about about having a hot wife that one came to pass but I just I used to dream 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 about everything dream about everything you know what all those dreams have faded into insignificance in comparison with the dream that the Holy Spirit will put in your life. What's the dream the Spirit of God will put in your life? What are you dreaming? This is a series, Dare to Dream. In all the dreams that are being fulfilled in Citygate Church right now. Come on, let's lift our eyes up above. Up above all of our personal dreams. Keep your personal dreams. Have them. I want to read more and more praise reports of houses and jobs and kids. We've got somebody now in the church. They've been believing God for children for some years now and just seem to be just really having an issue in that area. And I can remember laying hands on them and praying for them a year and a half ago, just standing and believing and they put it on the dream wall. And she's pregnant today. Hallelujah. Awesome. So good. So good. Dream your dreams. Dream your dreams. Dream for your business. Dream for your hot wife. Or your hot husband. Dream for those amazing kids that are going to be world changers. Dream that you can go around paying off other people's debts because you're so loaded yourself. Dream about this stuff. Wonderful. But come on, let's dream about the Kingdom of God. Let's dream about the Spirit of God. Let's dream about signs and wonders and miracles and healings and people coming to Christ in their multitudes. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning.